Chapter 57 of The Social War of 1900, or The Conspirators and Lovers. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Pat Navarre. The Social War of 1900, or The Conspirators and Lovers, by Simon Landis. Chapter 57. Lucinda Free and at Her Own Home Again After Dr. Juno had finished his lecture to the four prisoners, he conveyed Miss Lucinda Armington to a carriage in waiting for this purpose and carried her to her own old home, which was still in possession of Pat O'Connor and Judy McCree. And when he reached the house, he ordered the footman to ring the bell and arouse the servants. Shortly after causing several strong pulls upon the doorbell, Pat O'Connor ran his head out at a second-story window and exclaimed, Who bees there, and what do ye want at this time of night? Pat, come down and call Judy also to be with you. I have your mistress here. You certainly know me, Square, said Dr. Juno. Square was a secret word by which Pat and the doctor were to know each other if ever found in danger where they could not recognize each other. Ach! Be Saint Patrick, it bees Dr. Juno, ejaculated Pat to himself, and he donned his garb in a moment, and aroused his Judy darling, shouting gleefully, Judy darling, Judy, ach, Judy begotta. Dr. Juno bees down stars with our mistress Lucinda. Come, come quick. Judy sprang to her feet like lightning and exclaimed, Pat, Ye air a dreamin', and sure there be's no truth in it, but ye'll get into trouble ef ye ain't careful. Mind that for a warnin'. Judy, darlin', come, and don't be a foolin' wid your betrothed and mistress, ye slappy goose. Come, I say. Yes, Pat, I'm a comin' straight, interrupted Judy. Pat opened the door courageously, for he knew for a certainty that it was Dr. Juno. But Judy was scared and suspicious until she saw Miss Armington and Dr. Juno, when she bellowed forth in terrific hysterics of delight, grasping Miss Armington around the neck. They lord, they lord, they lord, ach, me sweet lady, ach, me sweet lady, am I awake? Ach, me sweet lady, come back, and for sure, but she looks so thin and pale, ach, me sweet lady. Judy! and you make a fool of yourself, sniveled Pat O'Connor, whilst Dr. Juno and Miss Armington both wept with joy and gratitude. It was a happy moment for all around, and for once servant, mistress, and master felt as one family without distinction. The bravery of Pat and Judy, and their lasting fidelity to the welfare of their employers, supported by their faith in God's justice and in the virtue of the persecuted, made them the beloved creatures of the household. Dr. Juno broke the ice by saying, in a cheerful manner, Well, my faithful friends, I have kept my promise. And sure ye have, interrupted Pat, still weeping as if his Irish heart would burst. And ye bees the greatest man living, and be me soul I'd give me life for ye any time, so I would. Thank you, Pat. I fully appreciate your worth and valor. But now, let Judy get something to eat and drink for her mistress whilst she reclines on this easy lounge, said Dr. Juno. Yes, sir, responded Judy and Pat simultaneously. 
Miss Armington was so overcome with the joy that she experienced by the surrounding circumstances. The great delight her restoration gave to these humble and faithful servants was to her almost too much to bear without fainting dead away. She could still not yet fully realize that it was a settled truth, that she was delivered from her persecutors and was once more in her own home, surrounded by her beloved Victor, the faithful servants, and her most affectionate father. Therefore, the first word she uttered after Pat and Judy left her presence to procure a repast was, Father, where is dear father? To this question, Dr. Juno was nonplussed. What could he, or what would he say quickly? He did not desire to tell her that he really was insane, nor should he tell a falsehood. So he said, Your father, beloved Lucinda, is not at home at present, but we hope soon will be. In fact, the dear soul has been mourning your loss until he could not rest here at home, where he had your smiling company. Dear Victor, there is something not right about poor father. Do tell me, is he dead? She interrupted. I see it in your countenance that something is wrong. Dr. Juno hung his head in deep grief. When she continued, Oh, speak, beloved Victor, do not keep me in suspense. Say the worst that has befallen him. Is he dead? Sweet angel, he is not dead, sighed he mournfully. Thank God for that, she exclaimed. But where is he? He went to Europe to seek you. Is he then still in Europe? she interposed. No, my precious love, he is not, said he. I see, my beloved Victor, that you tried to hide from me the real state of affairs about dear father, responded she, but do not hold a thing back. You love me, do you not? asked he. Of course I do, precious dear, but you cannot be jealous of an affectionate parent's love. No, my darling, not jealous, but grieved to tell you that he is insane. Oh, God, oh, God, my dear desolate father insane, and on my account, but not through any act of mine, as heaven knows, said the distressed child, weeping and mourning until she could no more. Dr. Juno went and cast his arms around her slender and half-worn-out form and sent his animal magnetism into her body. Whilst his love and prayer baptized her nervous center with renewed life, and soon she beheld the misery of her betrothed lover when she said, Oh, my long-lost darling, you are everything to me, and I should rejoice and praise God for having you with me. But it seems so cruel, so very hard that my beloved, good, noble father should suffer through us. Yes, it is my fault, he interrupted. Had accident not thrown you in my path on that seemingly fatal day when Pat O'Connor's horses ran away, neither you nor your father would have had occasion to suffer this martyrdom. Here he ceased to speak, and wept, and shook like a leaf when the wind blows it. She at once saw that he misunderstood her when she was aroused and exclaimed, My dearly beloved Victor, you did not understand me. I did not mean that you are to blame. No. Never, never. Oh, I beseech you, do not take this matter so much to heart. End chapter 